turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. And we're on. This is Dr. Bill, your Radio MD. Welcome to the show. Trying to get the video hooked up here to Facebook, but it looks like I'm having some problems, so I don't know if we're going to have any uh, live video today. Well, you have audio right here, Doc. We got audio, so it's it's Easter. Most people are either in church or uh, planning uh, some kind of uh, bombing against churches. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Those are the only two options today. Those, so. that, those, well, yeah, I mean, those are your options. You know, I was looking at the difference between the the Eastern and the Western Christian right, you know, the Eastern Orthodox right, which seems like it's a little bit closer to the uh, the Jewish rites. Uh, they celebrate Easter always after Passover. Did you know that? Um, because, I, I, I believe their Christmas is different too, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I think so. It comes later than ours. And I think that the reason that they celebrate their Easter after Passover is because Jesus came to uh, to uh, Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover meal with his compadres. And then, uh, and remember, he went to the Garden of Gethsemane and prayed and cried and, you know, asked God if he really had to be a sacrificial lamb and all that. And then he was hung on the cross on what Friday and uh, rose again on Sunday. And so this is a high holiday for the Christians. And I would have liked to have known Jesus. I'm sure he was an interesting man and uh, a great guy. I don't think I could ever be nonviolent though. It's just not my nature. Not going to turn the other cheek, huh? No, I, you know, my father, he, he, he was boxing with me when I was five years old. My remember my mother yelling down the stairs, nah, don't you hurt that boy? And you know, I'm down there crying because he bought me. <laughs> but uh, well, that that skill can come in handy in life too. So yeah, yeah, and you know, we would not have evolved as a species if it were not for war and conflict. We would not have our brains would not have grown. And the same way with with meat, without uh, animal protein, we really would not have developed into what we are today. And I'm not quite sure what we are, but. We have developed into it, haven't we? We're carnivores, that's for sure. Yeah. We are carnivores, and uh, speaking of carnivores, you know the the big the big meat for Christians, or at least for the Western right, uh, is ham on on Easter Sunday. And you and I were talking about that before the show. But in the East, it's ham and lamb because lamb, sacrificial lamb, that all came from the uh, the Jewish tradition of having lamb for major meals like uh, Passover and uh, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur and whatever else goes on. So that's where that comes from. And, uh, you know, we think that uh, all these Easter traditions go back to the first and second century, and they don't, Ken. The the word Easter probably came from uh, the Anglo-Saxon goddess of fertility, Estra or Ustra, and uh, that the benevolent uh, Bene 
who was the monk of the 8th, 9th century, noted that. And she was always surrounded by, guess what? By what? Rabbits. Oh. <laughs> so the, the, there you go. So the rabbits came along uh, at that time and have been part of Easter ever since. And, uh, of course, it, it celebrates the uh, vernal equinox, the day in, in the spring, usually March 21st or 2nd, when day and night are 50-50. You have 12 hours of sun and 12 hours of darkness or no sun. And uh, so these are all tied back into ritual springtime uh, events that have been uh, part of the human species for eons, you know, for tens of thousands of years. And, and you can imagine if somebody was living in the Ice Age, uh, it was a big deal when spring came. You got to know when to plant. That's right. Yeah. And, you know, you had to grow food. And so this was the mark. This marked the beginning of the growing season and uh, and the fertility and all the things that we think of. Eggs, they, they go along with fertility. And both in the eastern and western uh, rites, eggs are a big deal. In the eastern rite, they're red. They're all red for the passion of Christ. So it's all about renewal. It's all about renewal. And, uh, and the Venerable Beattie, in his reckoning of time, believes this that the name Easter comes from the uh, Anglo-Saxon goddess that we talked about and fertility. And so all these things are tied together. And you think about uh, the resurrection. I mean, in a sense, it's a, it's a rebirth or fertility, right? You know, it's a, a springtime. Things are coming back up out of the ground. And just as Jesus, uh, whether it really happened or not, who knows, but uh, it certainly is something that, that we should celebrate and celebrate a great being's life, whether he was a god or, or a man. I mean, he was a good guy. Well, yeah, it was so important that there are a lot of structures around the world where I, only on the equinox will the light sunlight shine at one specific point. Yeah, and that I think that at Stonehenge it's set up that way. Yeah, and there, I think so, yeah. There are temples in India, and, I mean, it's, it's a, a, a universal phenomenon. I mean, we all note it. We note the passing of time. By the way, the... Uh, one of the reasons that the days are different for Easter and for the Passover is because uh, in the Western world, we adopted the Gregorian calendar for our holidays. And uh, the Eastern Rite and the Jews hung on to the Julian calendar. And it's all tied to also the, the moon, the new moon, uh, the, new, the first new moon of the year and all that. It's, it's fascinating. It's fascinating. It's much more astronomically based. In the yeah, West, yes. Yes, yep. Yep. So at any rate, we got that, and uh, I want to say to all the Christians out there, I wish you a happy holiday. This is a big day for you, and uh, I hope that you enjoy your day. And I remember when I was a kid, we used to go, teenager, we used to go to Mass so we could see at midnight, so we could see what girls were there. <laughs> I don't know about God, but the girls were of interest. <laughs> well, you know, we were kids. Aye, right, they're teenagers. That's right, exactly. Say, You get wiser as you get older, supposedly. No. <laughs> <laughs> Not when it comes to women, no. Oh, oh well, yeah. <laughs> Maybe when it comes to finances and life management, but... We'll never figure the women out, no. No, we're, we're still as dumb as ever. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, 
Ken, you mentioned the uh, mRNA vaccines that are being developed to target uh, cancer and other diseases. And uh, this is not new, but there's been a big to-do over this in the papers the past week. And you remember the first mRNA, uh, widely used mRNA vaccine we had. What's that? Well, that wasn't the COVID one, was it? There you go. It was COVID. Okay. It was COVID. And, uh, well, that's how they did it so fast. Exactly. Yeah. Well, this this actually had been in in research for two or three decades, and the guys that started Moderna actually were working on it before they left whatever company they were with and started Moderna in the early 2000s. And um, of course, Pfizer and uh, BioNTech and a few other companies were also dabbling in this. So it's not a, a brand new technology, but it's one that's being honed and uh, uh, fine-tuned so that we can use these little snippets of RNA to stimulate the body uh, to do different things or to attack different different parts of cancer cells or to create antibodies to block uh, the COVID virus. And, and so it's, it's fascinating. And there's one uh, that uh, the mRNA-derived CRAS-targeted vaccine V941 and this is this is an interesting uh, this is an interesting thing. I, I I was struck by this. This is a lipid nanoparticle. Of course, if you say nanoparticle, then people think they're they're some kind of uh, robots that are in your body and they're going to take over and control you and broadcast your location. <laughs> all that. Actually, everybody should have a uh, an Apple Air Air tag on them so we can all know where everybody. <laughs> But at any rate, so these lipid nanoparticles, lipid nano just means, uh, you know, ultra small particle. And the lipid is the capsule that this piece of mRNA is in. And it's uh, it's targeted for uh, different mutations on cells that have to do with uh, certain lung cancers, GD. G12D, G12V, G13D, G12C, and uh, these have the potential to uh, be attacked, and so we can stimulate the body to make uh, antibodies to these. We can also use uh, these to uh, stimulate certain cells in the body to activate and target uh, these cancer cells. So we have what we call killer T cells in our body, and the killer T cells are in the lymphocytic family. So we have the granulocytic and the lymphocytic white blood cells. The granulocytes are more the garbage men and the, the uh, kamikazes. And <laughs> lymphocytics are more the uh, uh, immunization and making antibodies and specifically targeting. They're much more uh, intelligent and honed and specific in what they do. So we can stimulate these little cells to go after certain cancer cells, and um, this is pretty cool. It would take would it take the place you think of um, chemotherapy and all that radiation? You know, these things are probably going to end up being multimodality because certainly uh, you're going to have cancer cells that will mutate and they will no longer be susceptible to the uh, uh, to the mRNA vaccines, but. Uh, we, we're, we're finding out that uh, oftentimes uh, multiple different therapeutic uh, avenues are beneficial. So, you know, it's the same thing with like allergies and hay fever. You think about it, we started out with antihistamines because histamine is, was the easiest and the first uh, 
inflammatory chemical that was isolated uh, in people with allergies and hay fever. And so we started using antihistamines and we figured out the leukotrienes. So now we have Singular and different uh, products like that, monoleucast and that family of drugs. So now we're hitting it from two sides. And then we figured out, well, if we give you a short burst of prednisone, uh, that'll slow down the, uh, the the cells in the body like the eosinophils that rush in there and blow up and uh, spread all this histamine and, and leukotrienes around. And it's inflammatory because they, they think they're attacking a foreign body. You know, they think that pollen is foreign. And, and of course it is. And so they try to kill it. And they try to kill it like uh, their kamikazes. They go in there and we, they explode. Based, they, they really literally blow apart and release their their uh, inflammatory chemicals. But these chemicals are also inflammatory to us. So histamines, leukotrienes, and so we try to slow down the uh, the uh, eosinophils and, uh, and do that with prednisone steroids. And then because long-term steroids are detrimental to us, if you take it by mouth, we have steroids that you spray in your nose and that you can even get it over the counter now. And then we have steroids that you can inhale. So we've got little little inhalers and uh, different things that, that you can use. And we attack this from multiple avenues. Well, it's going to be the same with cancer. You know, we attack cancer. Some cancers we attack with chemotherapy and radiation therapy. Um, and other cancers just with multiple chemotherapeutic agents. And now we have some immunologics and biologics that we can throw into the mix for some cancers. Uh, we've got monoclonal antibodies. There's a monoclonal antibody that uh, is uh, effective against a subset of uh, malignant melanomas. I'm hoping that the, that the malignant melanoma I have, if it recurs, will be sensitive to that. And uh, so there, there's a, there's a, going to be a multi-disciplinary and multi-avenue approach to cancer. And it's the same with any disease, Ken. I mean, you think about it when you get pneumonia, you don't just take an antibiotic. I mean, you, you got to take other things. You, you take something for the fever. You take something for the cough and congestion. You take a mucolytic uh, to loosen a, uh, this, the junk up in your chest and get it out. And so there's different different avenues that we'll take. But, but it, it'll be fun to see. I'm looking forward to this. this Very is similar a, to HIV. Now, it, it used to be a death sentence, but now it's not as much anymore. Oh, there's 34, 35 different drugs out now for HIV. And you know what? My friend who is the ID specialist, infectious disease, she says, you can lead a normal life. You can even have a sexually active life and not transmit it with some of these new medications. Now, I'm not sure I would want to risk that with anybody, but, uh, uh, you know, there's people that just are bent a different way, Ken, and yeah. they, they can't control that sexual drive and urge, and especially younger people. So, Well, the whole thing is very exciting, especially because they think they may have something on the market by the end of the decade, which is incredibly fast. Even they said oh, yeah. it should have been decades, but it may be 18 months. Well, I think that the COVID has really sped up uh, the research and the acceptance of this. Now, they've had trouble developing uh, uh, an mRNA vaccine against cancers up to this point. And uh, this has been going on since the early 2000s. And the first place that this was actually used, I think, was on the, uh, uh, there was some research going on with the SARS uh, virus back in the early 2000s. 
and I don't know how effective that was. I think it was used in, in the Middle East and it probably was, was helpful because we didn't have the big outbreak here. So uh, these things have been tried on cancers in the past. They have not been very successful, but now they've fine-tuned it. And I think you're right. I think by the end of the century, we're going to have uh, we're going to have a whole new class of mRNA drugs. Right. And if you, you, you marry this was AI, and I guess it was AI really that sped this all up. It probably did, because you can you can put data into these supercomputers uh, that have these. Uh, self-generating algorithms and you can ask them a specific question and they'll spit out an answer for you. Fascinating. Mm-hmm. Well, I hope it works. They say it could help millions and millions of people if, it's, if they're successful. But will people take it? Because, you know, the anti-vaxxers are pretty staunch when it comes well, to that. Well, I know, and they're, they're silly. They, they think that the mRNA vaccines will get into their DNA and alter their their genetics and the genetics of their children and their, you know, you, you, you can't, it, it's, it's like apples and oranges. You cannot use MRNA to, uh, to affect DNA. First of all, it can't even get back into the nucleus of the cell because it's, there's a membrane around the nucleus. And so it's a one way membrane. It'll push out MRNA pieces to help make proteins out in the cell. But, uh, it won't let them back in. And even if they got back in, they couldn't affect the, the DNA. They, I mean, they, they don't match up. They, it, it's, it doesn't work the way people think uh, it works. It's, the templates are, are one way. You know, it's, it's like a stencil. If you stencil something and then you try to take that of what you just stenciled and, and, and marry it back into your stencil, it ain't going to work. Yeah. <laughs> True. Yeah. Okay. Well, I hope I hope they I hope it all works out because I think it'd be fascinating to see what what yep. kind of problems it might lead to. Though we got people, you know, living forever. Eventually, well, um, I don't want to live forever. I mean, no, neither do I. No, I mean, you know, come on, life's like a party. At some point, you got to go home. Exactly. It, just, yeah. it gets old. That's right. Exactly. You see, I've seen this. I, I've, I've done this a hundred times. That's right. Yeah, I've done this a hundred times, and it was fun the first. 50 times and then the next 25 it was you know interesting and then the last 25 i'm like i've already done this let's move on and if you're a christian and you believe that you're uh, eligible for heaven in the afterlife then you got something to look forward to exactly if you're a hindu and you believe in reincarnation then you look forward to coming back at another life personally why I would you want to do that well, you know, who knows? You might come back as somebody um, bigger and more important or holier or, or richer or whatever. I guess it depends on how you lived your life initially. Oh, I think, you know, heaven is right now inside of us. And I, my personal belief is that I'll be grounded into stardust and in a few billion years I'll come back in, in different particulate matter or something else, you know, whether it's going to be a rock or or, you know, the second coming, who knows, but it'll be fun. The second coming. Wow. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> I didn't, didn't know, Doc, really, yeah. You never know, buddy boy. <laughs> you never know. So at any rate, we're, uh, we're, we're doing a show here, and we're having fun. And, oh, uh, one of my patients uh, wanted me to remind everybody that we still have the vaccine for the COVID, and it's important to get that. If not from me, you can go to a lot of the drugstores and, Make sure you've got the bivalent uh, 
even though the overwhelming majority of people aren't that sick with the uh, Omicron, Ken, still it's, it's, you know, it's a nuisance and it's debilitating. And for those with uh, serious problems like lung disease and heart disease, it can get, land you in the hospital, get you into big trouble, as we've talked about before. So go get that. And you can always come to my office, 727-384-6411, 727-384-6411. And and uh, we've got it there, baby. We got it. And the treatment is uh, is works. I mean, it's, we are losing far fewer people now than we used to. So. Oh, the Paxil of it is amazing. It's over the counter. And I'm, and I'm sorry, not over the counter. It's uh, at the drugstore. It's in, it's by mouth per aura, and it's not an intravenous drug like the uh, remdesivir is. And uh, it's available outside of the hospitals. And you know, I had uh, a couple of people call me this week and say, oh, I tested positive and I don't feel good. Well, I hit them with the Paxlovid and I give them a short burst of prednisone because a lot of these uh, the problems with this virus are that it causes such an intense uh, inflammatory response. You know, the virus itself doesn't necessarily kill the cells, all the cells in your airway, but the inflammatory response that it stimulates our own body's reaction to it. And there we're back to the to the eosinophils and basophils and uh, that side of the uh, white blood cell family that are that are kamikazes and you know they come in there and they they do some real damage not only to the virus but to our tissues so and they think they're helping us <laughs> yeah they think they're doing the right thing <laughs> and but they're not well they are and they aren't they're doing what they're programmed to do yeah know? they're doing what they're programmed to do and so we got to talk to them I think I'm going to have a conversation with my eosinophils later today. Okay. Tell behave. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ken, I'm looking for a golf cart. I found a place over by the VA here in St. Petersburg, and this guy, he takes uh, easy goes and he rebuilds them. He get, gets them, buys them off the Internet or wherever he can, uh, and uh, used ones, and he rebuilds them. He does a nice job. I'm, I'm pretty impressed, and they're about half the price of a new one, so... I want to get this before I have my knee done. You know, I told you I'm going to have my knee done in May. And uh, since I'm still going to hopefully be the president of the Homeowners Association, I better be able to get around and help people and, you know, see what the problems are. I can have like the presidential seal put on the. uh, Yeah, on the front of it. On the front of the cart. (laughs) Yep. We'll have it put on there. And it'll be the ducks that live in the neighborhood. And we'll we'll have a mama duck. We've got this cute little blonde mama duck in there, these two mallard males that are just brutal. I mean, they are relentless with this poor girl. And all the women in the neighborhood feel sorry for her. <laughs> They're like, leave her alone. <laughs> and then she's got her little ducklings following her around. Aw. Well, we and- get this car. Make sure you get a nice stereo system in there and just play Hail to the Chief. There you go. Wherever you go throughout the uh, the condo association there. <laughs> That's the thing to do. And we got, we've got got a lot of activity here at the Condo Association. Oh, there's big fights, and one of the, uh, one of the uh, members is threatening to go to the newspaper and to her, her state representative and the uh, television station because she says we're doing illegal things here at the, <laughs> at the board, and the board is, uh, we're upset, we're hurt. Aren't there some new laws coming down the line for HO, uh, HOAs and things like that? Well, there there were some that were just passed, and uh, one of them is that if you go to, so let's say you were allowing short-term rentals, 
and now you want to change your bylaws and say that uh, you have to have a, a lease for at least 12 months, uh, that you can do that, but somebody who bought before the, uh, uh, the amendment was passed doesn't have to abide by that unless they agree to. So, uh, take grandfathered in. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. So you, you're grandfathered in. And that's one of the things that's changed. And another thing that's changed recently in the statutes is that if you are an HOA and you have excess operating funds left over at the end of the year, uh, you can carry those forward into the next year uh, operating budget or put it into your reserves and not be taxed on it, which is, uh, you know, which is a good thing. We should not be taxed. I mean, we're, we're a nonprofit uh, organization, as as all the HOAs and condominium associations are in Florida. The nonprofit and the board members don't get paid anything. That's illegal to take anything. And uh, so the, the, that's, that's a good thing. We should not be taxed. Uh, we're trying to preserve the property and, and not benefit any one individual. <clears throat> no, if you're not being paid, you shouldn't be taxed. No, we're not being paid. I mean, if we were being paid, I could understand it. But then all you'd do is you'd, if there was any excess money, you'd just hand it out to the board members and the officers of the corporation. Yeah, that's right, exactly. And then, and then they get taxed personally. <laughs> they're going to get you one way or another. That's right. And they're going to get And what, we got 85,000 new IRS agents. Just waiting to come and get you. That's right. I think I heard somebody knocking at the door earlier today. I don't know. <laughs> We are, Doc, we're coming up on the news. You want to do a question real quick here before we do so? Yeah, I want to do the question. What is the doc going to have done to himself next month? What procedure is the doc going to have done to himself? What do you think about that one, Ken? That's not bad. You mentioned that real quick at the uh, front of the show. <clears throat> yeah. So. so I want somebody to call in. Which is why you need the cart. Yeah, get two mugs, and uh, that's why I need the golf cart. And. Give us that number, Ken. It is 877-969-8600, 877-969-8600. First person with the correct answer will win two Dr. Bill, your Radio MD coffee mugs. And don't forget, Dr. Bill's at 727-384-6411, 727-384-6411. And I want to say thank you to all the Canadians who came down this winter and helped make not only my practice uh, – uh, better and bigger and uh, more profitable, but also for the whole area here, Ken. I mean, uh, we swell our population by hundreds of thousands just in the Pinellas County area every year, thanks to the Canadians. So uh, a big shout out, and we thank you guys, and we love you. We'll be right back. I'm Dr. Bill, your Radio MD, and I got at my side. Here's the latest from the Answer News Center. With SRN News, I'm Michael Harrington in Washington. Trouble in the Holy Land on Easter Sunday. Israeli warplanes and artillery have struck targets in Syria. Following a rare barrage of rocket fire from its northeastern neighbor, another barrage has occurred just within the last hour from Syria into Israel. Jewish-Muslim tensions reaching a peak today at a volatile Jerusalem shrine with simultaneous religious rituals, thousands of Jewish worshippers gathering at the Western Wall. U.S. road safety regulators have sent a team to investigate a crash involving a Tesla. It may have been using a partially automated driving system when it struck a student 
that had just come off a school bus. And cannabis regulators have halted operations at several outdoor pot farms in Washington State because of pesticides. This is SRN News. Drowning. AM860, The Answer. Listen on our website, theanswertampa.com. 93.7 FM. W229DJ By downloading The Answer Tampa app or on TuneIn or Odyssey. Dr. Bill for Bay Area Medical. Located at 6399 38th Avenue North in St. Pete. 727-384-6411. 727-384-6411. Full service clinic with x-ray, heart imaging, ultrasound, stress testing, and minor surgery. We provide quality health care in a warm and friendly atmosphere. We are multilingual, well-trained, and certified. Most American insurance and new patients accepted. Bay Area Medical Home of Can Care, 727-384-6411, 727-384-6411. Dr. Bill here. With social distancing and sheltering in place, telemedicine is here. Bay Area Medical Home of Can Care Clinic offers telemedicine for new and established patients. You can see me without an in-office visit. Schedule an appointment at 727 384 When it's time for your appointment, type this web address into your cell phone or computer web browser, doxy.me forward slash Bay Area Med. A cell phone works well and is all you really need. For computers, you need a web camera and speakers. We'll give you this address when you call for your appointment. We accept most insurances and travel insurances. Canadians and visitors, please call your travel insurance company for an authorization number prior to the visit. Co-pays and deductibles apply. Self-pay rates are available. Just ask. We accept credit cards, PayPal, and Stripe. 727-384-6411. 727-384-6411. Dr. Bill here. My friends at St. Pete MRI and Sleep Diagnostics are your best choice for state-of-the-art MRI, CT, and sleep studies. Quality unsurpassed. 25 years experience makes St. Pete MRI my go-to imaging center. Self-pay rates are competitive and out-of-pocket costs a fraction of a hospital. Conveniently accessible from both sides of the bay at 750 94th Avenue North, St. Pete, near the Gandhi, 727-577-2220, 727-577-2220. The latest from AccuWeather at the top and bottom of the hour, only on AM860, The Answer. Today, not as warm with times of clouds and sun. Low with thundershower and spots in the afternoon. The high will be 80. Tonight, partly cloudy with low 65. Tomorrow, mostly cloudy with a thunderstorm in parts of the area in the afternoon. The high will be 80. Tomorrow night, partly cloudy with low 66. And on Tuesday, considerable cloudiness with a high 82. That's your accurate weather forecast. I'm Garrett Beck for AM 860. The answer. And I'm back. This is Dr. Bill. Got Ken by my side. We're doing an Easter Sunday show, and we got on our our Easter Sunday best. Have you got on your your suit and tie, Ken? Oh yeah, sure, Doc. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do that every day in radio. That's why I went into radio so I could wear a suit and tie. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Because <laughs> everybody will see you. I'm not even sure I own one anymore that would fit. So, so Ken, before I, I go. On with the show, I just wanted to say I need somebody, if anybody knows anybody who is good at social media and getting shows up and running on social media, have them give me a call at 727-384-6411, 727-384-6411. I'm having a hard time figuring out how to do some of this, but I want to get it up and going. I think the radio station's uh, doing a lot of this, but I, I'm not sure they're going to help me if I'm not uh, on the payroll. I'm not sure how much we can do for you remotely like that. So, 
we have people who know a lot more than I do about it. So, well, but I know that. Don't go by what I say. I know that uh, Salem's now uh, talking about uh, television and streaming their their uh, their radio shows. Uh, oh live. yeah, already. Yeah, you Hewitt and Gallagher and all the guys. Yeah, they're doing that already. Yeah. Well, they won't let me in on it though, Ken. <laughs> I don't know. You have you asked? I'm afraid to. What if they say no? <laughs> well, I figure something else out then. We're about solutions here at okay. Salem Media. I'll talk to them. So, speaking of intelligence and solutions and all that, did you hear about the big leak uh, that uh, came out of the the uh, Pentagon? Did you? Yes, of course. Yeah, absolutely. That's scary. Somebody posted it on Discord, which is a social media for gamers, and. Uh, and they called it Wow Mao, M-A-O, you know, Mao, the, the Chinese communist leader. So, and apparently we have some technology that we didn't want anybody to know about uh, that helps in identifying troop movements on the ground. And I doubt that it's all that big of a secret. But but I think the biggest thing is that we, we've, got, <laughs> we've got people that are in the top brass of the Russian army. <laughs> And, and keeping us up to date on what's going on and the troop movements. And, and, of course, they're trying to help the Ukrainians. And some people say, well, some of this may have been doctored. And uh, they're wondering if the Russians are involved in this because the doctoring uh, says that the Ukrainians are losing more troops than is being publicized in the papers uh, openly. So I don't know. Ken. Well, that probably is true. But um, I don't know. Yes, I don't know who to believe on this one. Well, that's the thing, and you know, a lot of this is really not that earth-shaking. I mean, it's it may be earth-shaking in that uh, now they'll be looking closer at those in their hierarchy in the Russian army, trying to figure out who's who's the mole, and uh, you know, that's not good. We don't like that. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, you know, it's impossible to tell. It's impossible to tell, but I mean, come on, we know that we have technology that is. Uh, Hush, hush, and uh, certainly way ahead of most any anything anybody else has. But uh, we don't want to compromise our our uh, our intelligence agents overseas and our people that are in higher places in the in the Russian and Chinese army and and, and their inner circles. And we 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 need those people to be kept secret and to be protected. And I think that's the problem with. Uh, with some of these leaks is these these people think who are leaking it they think that they're somehow going to prevent wars by sharing information same thing happened with the nuclear bomb uh but unfortunately it outs uh, agents who are then killed i think there was a movie about that wasn't there um two, i'm pretty sure there was two decades ago probably uh, a couple of them yeah yeah uh and uh but yeah, all you do is get people killed when you do something like that. Yeah, you all you do, yeah, yeah, and you know, and then you make our intelligence and other countries' intelligence agencies even tighter and even harder to get into. But you got to wonder who who would do such a thing. I mean, well, that's you, why the whole thing is fishy. It may, it may the whole thing may be fake. Maybe you never know. Yeah, but so, uh, especially in this day and age. Yeah. But I didn't even know there was this agency called the National Reconnaissance Office, and they're they're the agency that oversees all of our spy satellites. Yeah, they run the satellites. Yep, that's pretty cool. That I'd love to work there. 
well, I'd just love to tap in and see what's going on around them. <laughs> I'm a busybody. That's, I think, you know, with all our satellites, I would think that we really don't need a lot of help on the ground keeping track of Russian movements. And I'm sure that uh, with uh, Starlink, with uh, Elon Musk Starlink and the satellites that he's put up over the Ukraine, we, we've got uh, some... Uh, uh, abilities and intelligence just from that just from cell phones yeah probably by the way one of those things fell out of the sky or a couple of them have fallen out of the sky now oh have they yeah a couple a couple of his newer ones are they uh are they hitting anybody on the head no they're too small they burn up in the atmosphere oh they burn up yeah well i mean you know you're gonna have junk fall back into the uh, atmosphere i would think right if if your satellites are not working i imagine so you don't have any thrust they're going to come back home soon yep and so we but one thing we do know is that the russian aircrafts need maintenance and they can't get the maintenance because they can't or can't do the maintenance because they can't get the parts because we put the blockade on them yeah so now there's now they have to get uh, scavenge you know they have to take other planes apart to use the parts to fix the planes and and they have to go on the black market and try and get somebody in the united states or nato to sell them some stuff and there, there's arms dealers that are willing to make a buck, and they don't care who gets killed in the uh, in the onslaught of. Yeah, but they don't want to be sanctioned. That's for sure. If they are legitimate arms dealers, as you know, as well. Yeah, there are legitimate arms dealers, and uh, but there are those who are not so legitimate, <laughs> <laughs> and they, they would love to make a, a buck off of whoever is in need. So. I don't know how you stop that completely. I guess they'll always be spying. They'll always be dishonest people, but they'll always be those who uh, will profit off of the misery of others. Speaking of the misery of others, nobody got the correct answer today, Don. How can they not get that? They, I guess we just talked about it real quick, and they didn't pick it up today. It's my knee. Your knee. That's why you need the cart. I'm going to have my knee replaced. Oh, my God. Two weeks in a row, and nobody yeah. gets- Exactly. Mug, I feel I feel bad. I feel guilty. My my feelings are hurt too. So next week we're going to have a real easy question. We'll give the answer before the <laughs> we, before the phone call so that somebody can get it. <laughs> We've done that accidentally, so why not? Yeah. But no winner this week. Oh well. So what else is going on, Doc? Well, the World Bank warns of a lost decade for the global economy because of the war in the Ukraine and. Uh, the sanctions against uh, Russia and the mounting tensions between the United States and China. And, of course, the COVID uh, virus slowed things down uh, and the inflationary spiral that we have gone into. So there's a structural growth slowdown underway. And uh, Are you current- saying a, Russia, a uh, recession is coming now? I, th- I think it's more of just a slowdown. Let's say the, let's say the world economy was growing at two to three uh, percent over the pre-pandemic uh, decade, and now they're predicting that it's going to slow down, and you know, it might be a half a percent. But uh, that does affect the world, and it affects, of course, more the developing countries than it does us. Right. Well, I'm more concerned about us. <laughs> Tell you the truth, you know, we don't want to all of a sudden go into a high unemployment period. Yeah, no, we don't want that. But, uh, you know, if you go from 2.6% growth and it drops down to 1.6%, that's a significant difference in the world economy. 
that slows down uh, loans and banking and construction and uh, uh, job growth and all the things that we need uh, to sustain the human species. What does that do to prices, up or down? Well, it's going to push prices up uh, because there'll be, initially, because there'll be uh, fewer goods produced and uh, people who still have money will want that. And so the uh, producers will push the prices up. Then when people have exhausted their funds or the producers no longer have the goods, well, then the, the prices will change. Naturally, they'll they'll have to come down in order to get people to come back into the market. We may be there in cars already. I was reading just yesterday that um, not I wouldn't say there's a glut of cars on the market, but they have more than they, than they really uh, can sell right now. And remember a year ago. There Could was get one, yeah. So we can see how this, these cycles go. And uh, it, it's certainly uh, a little bit frightening to think that we might not be able to sustain our growth. And it, it might have a deleterious effect on. And mainly it's going to affect those who are in the lower income brackets. <clears throat> so that's what uh, that's what's coming down the pike financially, according to the World Bank, mm-hmm. which is a D.C.-based organization, by the way. And they make loans to uh, big entities all over the world. Well, a we'll lost what... decade, huh? The COVID is going to be known as the COVID decade? Yeah, I think the post-COVID decade is, is here. It's on us, and, uh, but we'll, we'll make it through. I mean, the human species has survived, what, a million years now? We always do. Another decade's not going to make a whole lot of difference. I mean, look, you could lose a quarter of the world population in, in another decade. Nobody would even notice. <laughs> I mean, the same thing happened with the plague in, in the 14th century. I mean, what, a, a third of Europe was wiped out, probably a third of the world, and within a, you know within a few years, the economies were better than they ever were. There was more wealth spread among fewer people, and uh, uh, the climate changed, and there was a great growth in in, in commerce and in trade. Uh, the the uh, skilled trades came up, masonry and metalwork and all that, and kids started leaving the, the traditional manses, the farms, and uh, went into other things. And all of a sudden, you went from three classes of people, the royalty, the the uh, the clergy and the working folk to multiple classes, merchant class, uh, skilled labor classes, and the, the Masons started then, the Masonic Society, and then uh, you had uh, itinerant uh, workers, uh, people who would hire out, you know, people didn't do that before the Black Plague. They, they didn't think that they were allowed to do that. And after the plague, they said, well, look, the guy down the street wants to pay me more, I'm going down there. And they said, hey, you know, I kind of like this traveling. I think I'll go work in London for a while or I'll go up to Sussex County or whatever. And so it changed the whole uh, layout of the land. So shaking things up every once in a while is not a bad idea. Uh, I think that whether we'd like it or not, Mother Nature's going to shake it up for us. <laughs> yeah. And our job is to uh, adapt. Uh, nothing is ever so constant as, as change, Ken. Nothing is ever so constant as change. So there's good and bad in it, but we made it. And that, I think, helps us to evolve as a species, too, because it puts pressure on us to uh, excel and, and to reach beyond our our 
current abilities and status and, and do more. And that's good. I mean, that's what we should be doing. Yeah, we're always learning. Yeah, always. We, I mean, growth is necessary for, for survival. But like you said earlier in the show, even wars yep. advance humanity. Yes. And technology alone and medicine in some cases. Yeah. You think about the technology that came out of the Civil War. It's incredible. The uh, smokeless gunpowder was developed during that time, and uh, uh, that made a big difference in, in the way explosives were used, uh, intravenous therapy, because the, the guys who had lost limbs and had phantom limb pain, uh, the doctors figured out uh, how to use a hypodermic needle, and so they gave them a needle and morphine and uh, taught them how to shoot themselves up to get rid of the pain. Uh, and so that started the intravenous therapy. And think of what a big deal that is now. I mean, how many people would have died without IV fluids and IV antibiotics over the over the past 150 years? It's now the first thing you pretty much get when you walk into a hospital. Somebody puts an IV in you. Yeah, somebody sticks an IV in you, and all of a sudden you got you got bug juice running in your vein. <laughs> but I guess it's better than individual shots. Oh yeah, I and mean, you know that, that's what we used to do in the old days. It was uh, we called it hypodermoclesis. And what we would do, especially with the babies who we have a hard time getting an IV in because their veins were collapsed from, from being uh, uh, dehydrated from, you know, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, we would inject saline into the fatty tissue under their skin and their thigh. And that's how we rehydrated them until they could stop throwing up and uh, start taking fluids. So it's fascinating. And then we learned how to do it through the bone. So now with little kids... Uh, we we have certain needles that you actually uh, screw, kind of you know, work it into the into the bone of the leg, uh, into your shin bone, and we start an IV that way. And and of course the bone's full of uh, <clears throat> full of blood vessels and and uh, communicates freely with the rest of the vascular system. It, so isn't that painful though? Not to me. Okay, <laughs> it hurt me a bit. <laughs> It's a little bit, but you know, it's it's no worse than a shot, and you can numb up the skin, and and but once you pierce the the bone, you don't really don't have much pain. Okay, All right. it's when it moves that you get the pain, so you don't want it to move, so you tape it down real well. Okay, <laughs> doesn't hurt you a bit though. I like that. Doesn't, doesn't hurt me a bit. Yeah, that's my patient saying. Is this going to hurt, doc? I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I haven't had it done to me. <laughs> And that's, the, and that's the kind of care you get at the doc's office, which is what I love about them. So did you hear about the big to-do in the uh, Tennessee House? Uh, yeah, they kicked a couple of people out, didn't they? Yeah, they kicked two people out. I, I looked at the video, and these guys are on the floor of the house with bullhorns trying to stir people up in the gallery to yell and scream and and, and, and interfere with the, uh, with the conduct and the workings of the House of the Democratic House of Representatives or the House of Representatives in the state of Tennessee that I, I, I should say mostly Republicans in that House. And I guess there were three people involved. It was an anti-gun, uh, you know, get rid of the assault rifles and all that kind of stuff. And, and uh, of course, Tennessee's not going to do that. That ain't happening. Not likely. No, no. And it, I mean, it, plus you'd be you'd be in the Supreme Court in a year and uh, 
you can't uh, you can't go against the Second Amendment. I mean, if you want to get rid of the Second Amendment, you're going to have to get two thirds of the states to agree to it. Good luck with that. In a hundred years, maybe, but yeah. And uh, you know, you think about disarming a population. That's a, the Hitler. The first thing he said is, uh, once we disarm them, then we got them. You know, if you want to control a population, you disarm them. And I hear that from the Canadians. You know, they have very strict gun control laws up there. And I hear them complain about that, a lot of those conservative Canadians. And they say, well, you know, we there's nothing we can do because we don't have any weapons. <clears throat> well, that's a <laughs> good point, you know. It's a good point. So, uh, and you think about the number of guns we have in this country, we probably have more guns than we have citizens. <laughs> oh, well, I'm certain. But you know, the, the enemy is not the government right now. The enemy is just society. People are breaking into homes. you got a right to protect yourself. Well, I think that it's in part the government's fault because they, the left has pushed, uh, the, the liberals have pushed for a decrease in, in, uh, in uh, policing and uh, the decrease in uh, incarceration. And, of course, the Republicans, are, although they, they rail against it, they know that the jails are full and uh, that it's going to take a lot more money to build enough jails to house all these people. I mean, basically, my uh, sheriffs that come to see me as patients, they say, Doc, the jails are just, they're, they're just psychiatric institutes. People are crazy. And uh, that's probably true. Most of them are, are, are crazy. And even if you think of a sociopath or a psychopath as somebody who knows the difference between right and wrong, I mean, it's still craziness. And there's still something mentally wrong with them that they would want to go out and kill their fellow citizens for fun. I mean, for money's one thing. You know, I can understand somebody holding you up and then not wanting to be caught. I don't like it, and I want to see it punished. But you know, that's that's truly a mental illness to me, in my opinion. Well, I don't know. Um, we got to do something because we got to put people. I, I've felt for a long time part, the part of the problem, maybe the biggest problem, is the courts. It's just you're back on the streets. You know, you're you're in. Okay, well, we'll put a five thousand dollar bond on you, and you come up with five hundred bucks, and you're back on the street. Yeah, and uh, you know that's that's craziness. But the problem again, Ken, is where are you going to house all these people? I mean, the jails are full. Well, it's going to cost money. And the nation has to figure out what does it want to do with its money? What's its treasure? It's the tax dollars. I mean, that's if we want to build more jails and hire more guards, it's an expensive process, but is it safer? Well, I, I agree with you. I think that this, this is an episodic thing that happens in the United States and probably in other countries too, but more so in a country like the United States where we, we have such a left-hand turning group of people um, that we intermittently go slack and then we ramp it back up. And, and you remember uh, Giuliani cranked it back up in New York City after the horrible 60s and 70s and 80s there where crime skyrocketed and, you know, people were, bums were all over the street. And it, it was certainly not the town to visit at that time. But uh, he turned it around and, and, you know, so these things go in cycles. And I hope that people wake up and realize that they they need to look out for themselves, and part of that is by having good governance, and good governance means uh, good policing. But, you know, it's not a bad idea to have a weapon in the house. It just isn't. No, it's not a bad idea at all. No, so not this, today. It's important for us to do that. 
but know what you're doing. You know, you, you got to take a responsibility seriously. And you got to take care of yourself. You know, like I've said over and over again, the first law is self-preservation because without that, the rest of the day is going to be pretty well shot. <laughs> That's right. You know, it's not you. Things aren't going to go well if you don't preserve your own life. <laughs> And like I tell my, you know, I've got one young patient, nice guy, he's from uh, Nigeria. And I tell him, I say, uh, Unezi, you got to take care of yourself because you got kids and you got to take care of your kids. And he says, you're right, doc, you're right. I got to do that. So we, we have more than ourselves. We're not just here for ourselves. And I think that maybe that sense of uh, selfishness that's been adopted by a lot of people in the carpe diem sees the day and, you know, I'm going to do what I want, all that. I mean, I think that that's uh, highly detrimental to the long-term health and welfare of, of, of the human race and society. I mean, we, we have to stop and refocus and realize that we're, you know, we're here for more than just our own personal uh, self-gratification, Ken. We're, we're here to t- help take care of other people and to do do the jobs that are necessary to keep society up and running. And, you know, some of this is probably just uh, youthful silliness. You think it starts with the family, though, the nuclear family, mom, dad? I think that it's important to have a nuclear family. And whether that nuclear family is what you and I are are used to and grew up with, I don't know if there's going to be another uh, template for that. Uh, certainly the idea of a nuclear family in the 14th century before the plague hit was quite different than 100 years later after the plague hit because uh, the kids got up and left before they stayed home. And so the nuclear family was nuclear all the way till the till the, the death of the whole dynasty or the whole bloodline, you know. And but the, But that changed. That changed. Kids got up and left. They came to maturity and said, I don't want to be a farmer. I want to be a bricklayer. I want to be a stonemason. I want to be a metal worker. I want to. I want to be a sailor. And they got up and left and went and did those things they wanted to do. And that, I guess, in a sense, to the parents of that age, was a selfishness, uh, uh, self-centered thinking. But uh, to that generation, it was survival. It was uh, growth. It was a way to further their their health and welfare. So. But I do think that the idea of a nuclear family is exceedingly important to holding a society together and passing on morals and values. Right. you got to teach them what's right and wrong. Yeah. You know, you have to have some kind of uh, formalized structure in which to help kids learn. Uh, I mean, some of this right and wrong is inherent. You know, I agree with Immanuel Kant, the great philosopher of the 18th century, who said that moral laws, in, in essence, that moral laws are... Uh, pre uh, pre existing before there are people that are, are beings that are capable of morality and immorality that there are just certain things in the universe that you think about it it's like physics I mean you know you push something it's going to push back true so, yeah one exactly yeah so I'm, every uh, force was has an equal and opposite reaction or something like that a reaction yeah and 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 so you think about that in a moral in a moral sense in morality it's probably uh, there's probably some pre-existing laws, and maybe that's what God is. Maybe God is the embodiment of all these abstract laws that uh, that rule us both physically and emotionally and spiritually and morally and all the other ways in which we perceive our existence to be. But it's fascinating, you know. And uh, but I still think that kids, because when they're young, 
even though they may have some sense of right and wrong, there's impulsivity. I mean, think about when you were a young teenage boy. I mean, you probably did crazy things. I know I did. Um, you know, I still do crazy things once in a while. Doc, we got about 30 seconds left here. Want to give the address and the phone number and all that? I'd love to. Uh, if I can remember it, Ken. <laughs> I got it. 727-384-6411. 727-384-6411. We're at 6399 38th Avenue North in St. Pete, Florida. We do telemedicine. We have in-office visits. Uh, you know, if I like you, I might even come out to your house and steal something from Happy you. Easter, Doc. Happy Thank you for listening to Dr. Bill, your radio MD. Join Dr. Bill every Sunday morning at 9 for more insight, information, provocation, and fun. Dr. Bill Handelman practices in St. Petersburg, Florida at Bay Area Medical Can Care Clinic, 6399 38th Avenue North. For your convenience, telemedicine appointments are available. Call his office today at 727-384-6411. That's 727-384-6411. Or visit his website at Can Care Clinic. 